Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And I'm Brodor. I'm not doing any sound effects a, on that. In a world where it has hit the fan, where the gaming industry is about to change. Okay, hold that thought. So, several years back, by several, I mean like over a decade ago, we were asked at a convention, do we consider our show to be press or entertainment? That depends on who's asking. Because if I'm asking for a press pass and someone says, are you press or entertainment? We're press. Oh, yeah. You better believe I'm freaking Citizen Kane. <laughs> but generally speaking, we are predominantly entertainment and gaming advice with, I would still say, some press functions. I mean, we do still cover some gaming news. We do still interview people. We do talk about products a bit. It's not the focus of our show, but it is part of what we do. Now, conversely, Brodor over on his own show, GoInfo.org, the Influence Foundation, I'll link it in the show notes, he focuses very heavily on the industry people and the industry products. And, He's pressutainment. Yes, which is a word that nauseates me because I remember <laughs> back when I was still buying... Because it sounds rapey. <laughs> pressutainment. Because, well, I was the thing... It's like you're being smashed between me and a cheap mattress. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more like War of 1812 with like sailor impressment, but okay. Oh, sure. But well, that and also I remember back when you still used to buy your video games at Best Buy instead of off of Steam, that they would have it organized by sections. And they had one that was edutainment. And it always made me want to like blow up half the store because it was, I don't know, just. These invented words like that just infuriate me for some reason, but every word was invented at some point. Thank you, Wayne. That's <laughs> very reductive of you. But Brodor, you said you've got some kind of hot goss for us. So one thing is absolutely confirmed. The other thing is a rumor that I have not had confirmed by multiple sources. All right. Yet. So do we want to start with the speculation? No, we want to start with the real deal. All right. Let's okay? start the real deal. So, so what's up in the game? There's world? a there's a company in the gaming industry called Asmoday, and if you're into board games, you're familiar with who they are and a large portion of the board game hobby that they have well under their proverbial thumb and i think they do more than just board games too don't they so didn't they also do a bunch of buying up when companies were devaluing and falling apart so (laughs) so yes we're undermining his news in a in a (laughs) nutshell everything that you have said is correct now as far as what asmodee has assets outside the board game and hobby industry i am unaware however a couple of years ago when we were at gts in yeah. 2020 there was some scuttlebutt going around because asmodee had announced this big deal with acd distribution which was one of the major major distributors in the gaming industry well i don't think a whole lot came of that but recently asmodee as part of the agreement for the bid by the Embracer Group 
to purchase Asmodee. Because, Wait, okay, now who is the Embracer uh, group? Well, now they're you. You want to? Well, they're like the Bodana group. They're villains, right? <laughs> so, but no, hold on. The Embracer group is a company. Basically, they're a big group of venture capitalists. The Bodana group, the people that do like gaming for mental yeah, health. Yeah, no, that's a, that's that's a group of villains, Dan. We've talked about this on the show before. Listen to the name, the Bodana group. <laughs> they sound like they're fucking villains. Anyway. <laughs> Okay. So you're making me ramble. Right, right. They're so, not, by the way. They are not. They're wonderful people. They're actually people. really good people. Yeah, they're wonderful people. We're talking about the Donner group so, here. I don't know where we're going so, with Day. Day basically is acquiring stuff and getting sold and acquiring stuff and getting sold and increasing in value and getting sold and just wanting to consume more and more of the hobby industry. Well, there was a rumor going around for a while that they were going to purchase a major online retailer of gaming stuffs. And when it came out recently that they had to announce and publicly list all of their assets so that they can get approval for the Embracer group to buy Asmodee, one of those assets, which months ago people said Asmodee was looking to buy Miniature Market. One of the assets that Asmodee now owns is Miniature Market. So not only do they have a foothold in a huge foothold in an aspect of the board game industry, but now they have an entire distribution network that reaches globally so they don't need acd distribution they don't need another distribution company to come in what they can do is they can buy an online retailer who is already dealing directly with the consumer and has retail outlets absolutely fascinating so this is like disney well now they bought dc in addition to marvel which is a possibility but Uh, yeah and that's I'm going to give my sort of hot take on this. And I want you to tell me if I'm thinking in the right direction that what we're seeing here and how this is going to affect the average person listening to this is that there is now a consolidation in a occurring, broadly speaking, in a hobby that typically has been very, very much in diaspora, that there's a hundred or a thousand relatively small groups publishing their thing in their way and trying to get it on shelves or get it sold on drive through and piece by piece, like Pac-Man Asmodee is kind of chomping up a lot of that stuff and bringing it all under one umbrella, or even if they didn't make it, if you want to get it, it probably came through them. Is that about right? Uh, that's how it feels to me. Now that is not true yet that is not reality there is still as you put it the diaspora there's still plenty of other companies publishers and avenues to purchase stuff from but it's a big deal to consider over the last 10 years or more what they have assimilated what they the ips that they now own in conjunction with having one of the largest retailers in the hobby industry that they now own Also, you know, one of the biggest changes to the industry in the last, I'm going to say five years that I am really curious what kind of impact it's had is Target, because you can buy now Pandemic, Seven Wonders, Ticket to a lot of these games that you used to have to go to specialty shops for are now on the shelves in Target. And I'm also seeing other things suddenly show up like 
model kits from Japan. They have more collectible things coming in. Target is basically targeting all of our specialty shops and they're bringing some of that stuff in. And I'm curious if it's going to have an impact on some of the customized game stores. So here's what I think, honestly, and I, and I really believe this. And this is not my original idea. I mean, this is pretty much the pitch that a games workshop will give you when they're going to open a one employee, you know, single employee operated GW shop is that our intention is to not necessarily make money and be profitable at that shop. What we're going to do is use that as an advertising opportunity and expose our product to a greater audience. And I think Target does exactly that. Because when you walk into that Games Workshop store, right, and you discover GW stuff for the first time, you wonder what other games are out there. When you go into Target and you see Pandemic, which is a great game, but an older game, you see Ticket to Ride, great game. Seven Wonders, also not Seven Wonders, great game. You wonder, wow, there's an entire world of games out there. Yeah, and that's a good point. When I look at the other things I mentioned, like the model kits. They have only a handful of the Gundam ones. They have a special Target exclusive one. But for someone getting into Gundam, suddenly you would have that curious. Okay, right. And what do they else carry, is out there? Do they carry the glue and the exacto knives? Do they carry the ink pens that I want so I can just yep. put a drop of ink and I can black line all of the stuff on the Gundam model? Very little of it. They do have kits of tools for like the clippers and things. Right. But... Like for me, I have a shop I would go to for all of that where they have the pens and they have all the tools, but I could easily see somebody not even knowing about it. And then suddenly it's in Target. Now I have a a new hobby and then hitting Amazon and buying it all on Amazon. Well, which is another facet of the discussion, right? That's my concern is that they don't go to the mom and pop game store because Asmodee owns everything. I mean it is getting more and more difficult to avoid shopping at Amazon. For example, I'm a hobbyist. I want to get dust pigments or I want to get some flocks or I want to get some material that I'm going to use for basing my miniatures. And because of shipping, blah, 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 none of the the local stores have it. They just can't get their hands on it for whatever explanation COVID, right? But I go to Amazon and well, there here are hundreds of retailers that have it that I can get it sent straight to my house. And so what happens is you have this self-fulfilling prophecy of I don't have anything. So you buy it online and I don't have any money to buy stock. So you continue to shop online. And then eventually I just don't carry anything anymore because everybody buys online. Yeah. And I've noticed that I hate to keep going back to something that's not gaming related, but the Gundam is the good example because, it again, I saw it in Target. Local anime shop I know, I know the owners, they had a real problem for a while this year of getting Gundams in. Because of all of the supply chain issues we all know about, they weren't coming in from Japan. Right. You know, they couldn't get them off the ship, but you still have content out there in Amazon warehouses. Well, can I can I tell you a secret? And, and people really don't understand this about business, but... Every relationship, whether it is familial, platonic, romantic, business, everything is about preferential treatment. 
and the the history that we have with yeah. one another. And I hate to tell you this, but if your mom and pop anime store wants to order some Gundams and Target wants to order some Gundams, I can tell you who's not getting any f***ing Gundams. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do you think this actually means in practice? And I realize I'm asking you to speculate here. Oh, but I, speculation's one of my favorite things to do, Dan. <laughs> right. But what do you think this means for John Q. Gamer? Uh, so for John Q. Gamer right now, I don't think it's going to be a terribly, terribly big deal. What I think it puts into question is who is John Q. Gamer? Because right now we're in this weird flux between the hardcore grognard old school gaming needs to be this way kind of gamer and this burgeoning blossoming thing where gaming is becoming this larger much more publicly consumed thing what i think and i don't want to sound like a wacky conspiracy theorist but you get companies like Amazon or like Asmo Day, right? And the Embracer Group, where they see that we have a hobby industry that actually has money. And I believe the upper echelons, these people don't give a fuck about games. They don't care that you play games. They want you to buy games. And they want to be the place where you buy games. They want to be the entity, the single entity from whom you buy games. They don't care about games. They just care about you giving them money for the games that they own. Now, I don't think that's always going to be the case, but my concern is, is that, and and we're not a political show. And if this has to get cut, I get it. But if I could just make one correlation, We must do business with China. We cannot stop doing business with China. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that all industries are going to be, you know, you have this one or two massive entities who are monstrous and abusive and you don't care about the hobby and don't care about what it is that you do, who have terrible practices and treat us like garbage. And if we want to keep blank games, well, we just have to keep doing business with those people. And that kind of skeeves me out. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I think it should because... One of the things that has generally been true of gaming is we can talk about the distinction between fairies from year to year, but the big three, the big four, the big six titles versus everybody else. Obviously, in the past few years, D&D has pulled way ahead of even where it was before as one of the big however many. and It hit mainstream as far as I'm concerned. And has now become a mainstream mass market thing and wait till asmo day buys dungeons and dragons from hasbro because you know what's going to be on the chopping block soon that's that's scuttlebutt i mean that's that's I've, a super super yeah that, that's speculative yeah. but i have heard the same scuttlebutt uh, oh, that hasbro oh, wants to offload oh, watson oh 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 it's getting there's so much more to come dan but yeah. let's continue talking okay. about asmo but, but but what i see here is the creation of a new tier that exceeds where up until very recently even D was located that i guess to borrow the proper noun wayne's been using that now you have this whole new class of games where there's the little guy there's the big titles 
And then there's the ones that are going to be on the shelves of Target and Walmart and wherever it is for anyone who's not American or not familiar with these. We're talking about large box store right. retailers. Can I paint a picture? So the Embracer Group, right? By the way, well, that is a, and I don't know Arabian anything about. Name, oh, I know. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to say that that is like a comic book or James Bond, like villain so, front company oh, name. If you get into some of these, because this is not one I'm familiar with. Right. But I'm familiar with a lot of the companies that have done the leveraged buyouts, like the ones responsible for the death of Toys R Us and things like that. Toys R Us wasn't doing great to at that point anyway. But when you can buy a company by taking out loans and then put that loan debt onto the company and then resell it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is something I want to hit on. And like Brodor, I'm going to talk about something that dips into an area we don't normally go. This is going to get a little bit political. But one thing we've always said is our show is apolitical and a-religious, except insofar as those things directly intersect what we do. That's why, for example, we had an episode on the Satanic Panic, which, of course, included references to religion or religious groups because of the fact that you cannot tell the story of gaming without telling the story of the Satanic Panic. And you cannot tell the story of the Satanic Panic without talking about its links, particularly to Christianity and Judaism. Which, But there is a difference between two approaches to business. And I heard this talked about on NPR years back. The conversation they had really stuck in my brain. But I'm one of those people that I tend to remember metadata. I tend to remember, I don't trust this person, but I don't remember why. Or I know that this is a good restaurant, but I can't tell you why I thought that. And so that's just how my brain works. And so I had this metadata about what they had talked about. And I couldn't remember the names until very recently I stumbled across an article that talked about the same thing, which is there is a difference between an approach to the economy that is shareholder oriented versus stakeholder oriented. All right. When grandpa or depending on your age, if you're like a zoom or something, great grandpa or whatever was working, the companies were invested in their employees they were investing in their communities. You know, that's where you went to get your vaccine. That's where you went to vote. They would do what they had to do. And I'm not having rose-colored glasses here. I'm not saying everything was always hunky-dory. But what I am saying is they cared about their employees and communities in a way that does not happen very often anymore. Because we have switched to a shareholder economy where now it doesn't matter how much you screw over your community, you screw over your employees, as long as you can raise your share values by another eighth of a point or something. You know the companies that still act the way you were describing, Dan? The ones that aren't publicly traded? Yeah, don't exactly. Have shareholders. Exactly. They don't have shareholders to begin with. I've it's worked for companies same. that have shareholders and companies that don't. Same. And they function drastically different. Yeah, and, and they can't do all this shady crap like take out loans against themselves. Guess who didn't have shareholders miniature market. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but so what I'm hearing here is I think if nothing else, the way this is going to sort of affect our hobby, the more we move away from the stakeholder economy of gaming, we've been in where the people that make the games, the people that play the games, the people that sell the games, you know, it's a very, very tight knit community of people to now suddenly there are soulless suits at the top. 
mm-hmm. in a way, once again, that yes, I realize here and there has been true, but has not been broadly true. And it's possible that one of the unfortunate after effects of the particular social and economic moment we're in for many reasons, supply chain, COVID, whatever, is going to be this shift of our hobby. I mean, yeah, you're never, ever going to get rid of somebody writing a game and going through Amazon self-publishing or drive through RPG or whatever and putting their small product out there. You know, I don't think IPR or something like that is about to disappear. I, that's not what I'm saying. Not as long as Kickstarter's out there. Exactly. Exactly. Kickstarter, I Patreon. Think, I do think you asked Broder the wrong question. You ask him, what is the impact of this on John Q. Gamer? No. The question is, what is the impact going to be on John Q. Game Designer? So here's what I think. So for the game designer, the genie's out of the bottle, right? So Kickstarter is changing to be cryptocurrency focused, which is going to have a tremendous impact. You know, people are speculating. I mean, people way smarter than me are speculating on the hobby industry. But as long as there is crowdfunding and the opportunity for me to, as a game designer, make money and produce a game, I think that we're going to see like you, you see concierge doctors. I think you're going to see concierge gaming where you're going to have more companies that are doing you buy it directly from me and do what uh, I had a guy on the show recently, John Cleves with DGS games, and they do a digital rule book and they have a living rule book on their website. And instead of buying new editions of the rule book, you pay a monthly Patreon fee and you get access to all the updated cards and all the updated files. I think a lot of game designers are going to figure out ways where they can circumvent having to go through companies like that. Well, and let's face it, looking at what D&D's been doing, I think they want to get to the subscription model, too. Well, aha, so let's transition into the next pit of hot goss. Okay, so now, before we do this next bit, I actually do not know what Broder's about to say, but just for clarity of communication and also some legal CYA... Let me stress that this next one, Broder told me up front without telling me what it is. He did stress that this one is gossip. It is rumor. He finds it credible. Yeah. But we are not prepared to say this is the truth. I cannot say that this is the truth. However, months ago, the stuff about miniature marketing sold to Asmodee was kicking around. I'm not going to name sources obviously but what i'm about to say comes from equally credible sources yeah i say you and i were talking about the asthma day thing like you said a gts which now is almost two years ago and now that wasn't the miniature market thing but asthma day was trying to get in bed with a distributor acd back then now they just bought a retailer that is a distributor yeah but Neither has a distribution network. I right. Say. Okay. So what is this next part? Once again, stressing so this I, is a bit more th- allegedly. This is allegedly you should look for anything that is open gaming license available for third party companies to produce to start disappearing and start getting pulled from online. And and what I mean is, is that the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Adventure League stuff. Okay. Right. Everything that they have that's open gaming license. So say you're a company uh, that does third party Dungeons and Dragons 5e stuff. 
Apparently, they're getting ready to pull the OGL, the open game license for that, so that you can no longer produce material for 5e because a new iteration of D&D is going to be announced. Now, whether that is D&D 5.5 and it is going to do as Wayne suggested, because there's a lot of talk. Oh, go ahead, Wayne. Because with D&D Beyond and what they've been working on with there, they are building the framework and everything they need to move to a subscription model. Right. You can see it if you're watching the moves they make. They are preparing for a future that is subscription-based versus buy a book once. Right. Because subscription is ongoing income every month and is easier to budget than... It's it's the same thing that the same thing that the cable television or not. I mean, cable television doesn't exist anymore, but you have your subscription services Mm -hmm. for your various Patreons for your STL files. Uh, You know, look at what I mean, Jamie Stegmeier and Stonemeyer Games doesn't do Kickstarter anymore because they have a similar kind of system, uh, sort of an elite club system that you participate in. Yeah, I think you're going to see certainly more and more of that. Yeah, I definitely, I said, I've been seeing the groundwork preparing for that, and I've been expecting it. And it doesn't surprise me, because there's a lot of reasons for them to do it. From a financial standpoint, it's a lot easier to budget continuing monthly income than it is, how will this book do versus this book when I release them? All right, let me give two prefaces here to a question I'm about to ask. The first is, obviously, I'm not an attorney. The second is that, because you did not even exactly forewarn me on what the topic was, I've done no research on right. this. All right. So this is a question asked out of sheer ignorance and lack of credentials. But it, the way it was explained to me is the, what we'll call the original OGL, mm-hmm. the one that's put on third edition D&D, was written in such a way that it was impossible to rescind it. It was basically a fire and forget. That once it was out there, even the people that had issued it could not roll it back. Is the 5e one different? Does but it have some kind of escape hatch? My my understanding... Yeah, stressing, none yeah, of us yeah. are attorneys. My, my understanding is, is that with the open gaming license, and again, this is the way it was explained to me by a source, yep. that there is a 24-month gap from when a new edition of material comes out to when you can start producing third-party material under the o- OGL. There so bas- are two different licenses that they can grant for 5e-related content. Right. One of them you can say compatible with the world's most popular gaming system. One of them you can say is compatible with Dungeons & Dragons 5e. That's the one that they can very easily pull, and the writing is completely different from compatible with the world's most popular gaming system. Huh. Yeah, and let's stress yet again, if this is something you're profoundly interested in or directly affects a business you run or something, you need to look into this yeah. with people more qualified yeah. than we are. And they are. probably already know this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing you'll probably get a lot of... Better than I do. Yeah, clarifying posts, which I, is fine. Which you know? I love. I, are you kidding? Yeah. I love that So, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd tell me I'm wrong. I love it. I've also heard the same rumors you have, Brodor. 
from well, multiple different the, places, but yours are probably yeah, more legitimate the, than the ones I've heard. The the Watsy sale thing that's been going around for some time, mm, yeah. And I didn't want to give it any credence until the miniature market Asmo Day thing became true, and then I heard unrelated to that from another source that is in the spheres of the third party printing that we can look for some big changes for those third party and freelance writers in the near future. I watch Hasbro a lot, not from a gaming standpoint. So you're looking at a completely different part of the Hasbro company than I do. They make transformers. They make transformers and power Rangers. Yeah. They not only make power Rangers, they own the power Rangers property. So I'm watching one part of their company and their focus and what they're doing there. And it doesn't seem to match up with the focus on the game stuff. I would not be the slightest bit surprised if they were to spin it off and sell to somebody. Yeah, at least the tabletop rights. I'd be a little more surprised if Hasbro gave up things like the media rights, like movie rights and things like that, especially when they've got this. What is supposed to be the first good D&D movie I, to... I, I, we've talked about this before. I call BS. There will never be a good D&D movie. <laughs> I, you know, I'm profoundly unconvinced there will be a good one. But nonetheless, at least ostensibly, theoretically, there is going to be this, this blockbuster D&D movie coming. And if that turns out to be the next Marvel-style cash cow of, you know... The Marvel movies and the the some of the earlier DC movies in particular, like the Christopher Nolan Batman stuff, they really moved comic books out of the dusty corner shops and into the consciousness of the mainstream. I am no longer the only person in a family gathering who knows who Iron Man is. And the, the problem is the is question is, you know, gaming is a place that is full of stories to tell. Whether you talk about D&D or forget D&D, World of Darkness, Battletech, going down the line like that. It's full of these very well-developed and well-crafted stories that, like comic books, have largely been untapped by anyone trying to produce quality entertainment. And if someone figures out how to crack that code, I think it will not take that long before there are a bunch of me-also things that jump onto this. I want to be in here, too. Okay, so they had a great D&D movie, so suddenly Netflix is going to run out and buy the rights to, I don't Battletech. I'm just making stuff up. I have no idea. But, yeah, and Hasbro right now is not a company that wants to do new things. They don't want to innovate. If you look at what Hasbro is doing right now as a company overall, they are looking at their properties and they're trying to get back to basics. Well, what are they pushing out for Transformers? Uh, the, 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 they're awesome. pushing out Gen 1. Yes. And and they're pushing out the Hasbro Beast Pulse Wars. $500 Unicron model. This is not meant for Junior. Yep. This is meant for me. Oh, Pulse is a completely separate part. But I'm just saying they're though, doing that like you, all across the board right, right, trying right. to make these big projects to get people Almost every two or three money. years there's an updated Devastator or Bruticus that comes yep. out. Can With Power Rangers, they don't want to create new. They want to go back to the original group reboot that because that's where people's nostalgia is is there any drama surrounding transformers or power rangers like there is around gaming particularly in the last couple of years oh yeah is there okay oh yeah because i i was just thinking theoretically maybe removing watsy 
from the Hasbro umbrella helps get rid of some of the well political. And this gets into political stuff that yeah. I definitely do not want to touch because I don't feel it intersects gaming. But and I also I realize that this is Mattel. This is not Hasbro. But if you want a sense of that, look at what's going on right now with the Masters of the Universe slash He-Man stuff. Oh, you're talking about the cartoon? Yeah, among other things, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Once yeah. again, I'm not going to get into that. Sure, if you, sure. If I that's your bag of whatever, you can Google it my, and find I out what I'm talking about. I was just thinking that theoretically, maybe Hasbro wants to extricate themselves from that part of society or that the bickering and the, you know, side A, hate side B sort of thing. There yeah, is I don't far know. less of that when it comes to Power Rangers and Transformers than there is with other properties. And... No, I'll agree with that. I there think is, it's there. there is, it is there. There is some, but you're right. It is not to the level that it has been with D&D in the past couple of years. Yeah, no true. And nowhere true. near like over in yeah. Mattel with... So I, I can't wait because I like... I'm, I'm, I think, I'm, I think I've, I'm ready to start burning bridges on my... On my, I think that when you I think get you're big enough to blow it up. When I, when, I'm, when I actually express an opinion is when I get the most traction. Yeah. You know, and it's not that I don't have... I just... I, just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just f***ing over it. Hi, man. This may be negative episode material, but I got Uh-oh, I'll shut up. I got a no, no, I'll say I got a story for you on that one. Yeah. But anyway, the you don't get personality and a crowd out of not giving opinions. No. That's true. Who right? gets the most viewers on YouTube? The people that get out there and yell or get out there and give controversial opinions. I know. I just I'm too old for the drama. I'm hey, man. I'm you, too tired yeah. for I'm, you remember I'm not the angry Howard, enough. You remember this the quotes about Howard Stern? Yeah. How long does the average Howard Stern listener listen? It was like 40 minutes. How long does the average Howard Stern hater listen? 60 minutes. <laughs> Why do the people listen? Because they want to hear what he's going to say next. Why do the people that hate him listen? Because they want to yeah. hear what he's going to say next. Twitter hate follows are a really well-known phenomenon. But yeah. Anyway, I don't want to dig into that It's too not much. something that we want to do, yeah. but I think Brodor can I, well, has can that I, mark. Let me say, let me right, say I'll give thing. you the closing word unless and you I, say something again, really just, And then a guest pointed this out to me. Not me, but... 2024, 50 years of D&D, D&D 6th edition. I'm sorry, I don't follow. Is there some kind of like, say, 2024, we're going to see D&D 6th edition. Because it'll be 50 years it'll of D&D. It'll be the 50th anniversary of D&D. Oh, okay. What is a better way to celebrate it than a new yeah. edition? Gosh. So you're going to see you're going to see 5.5 hit and be this big digital open beta thing where people are just going to do digital and it's going to be awesome and we're going to love it and digital, digital, digital. And then digital can't be delayed on a boat. Digital can't be delayed on a boat. Digital doesn't have to be printed by slavers. Digital doesn't have to cut down trees. Digital doesn't well, have much of a carbon. Well, where it the consumer a bit is digital also isn't fungible. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Imagine I, if you no longer owned your gaming books, you lease them. So, but you do it with your music. So why do you care? Yeah. You do it with your movies. And you do it arguably with your video games. I'm not. I so I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, if if anything, the gaming industry is behind the curve. I know. I know they are. All right. Well, we're gonna leave this one there because I don't think we can take it anywhere else. It isn't gonna be profoundly controversial in ways that this show's not meant to be about. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Smell ya. Mm-hmm.